Hey there, listeners. It's Frank Thompson. We're really excited for you to join e-commerce answers today. We have Sonal Puri, the CEO of WebScale, on board for a conversation where we're going to explore a number of issues at the forefront of e-commerce, including security, scalability, performance, headless applications, a lot of the parts of e-commerce where the industry is moving that WebScale can help with. We think it's going to be a great conversation, so let's go. So, Sonal, we're we're really so excited to have you on our show today, e-commerce answers. And, um, it's a, it's a really interesting story, your background. Um, the company itself is really fascinating as e-commerce is, is really starting to explode more and more. Um, I'd love to know sort of how, how did you come to run WebScale? How did you become the CEO? What was your progression, your career progression? And it's, so interesting to us that you have training in architecture. Um, and a lot of us in e-commerce have different backgrounds and we end up in this very complex world. So can you tell us a little bit about how you how you got here to this position? Yeah, I don't know if the podcast is long enough, Frank, to get into all of the details <laughs> of my, my crazy journey from my childhood. I was born in India and spent the first 22 years of my life there. Um, studied architecture in one of the best schools in India, um, in University of Mumbai. And, you know, plan my entire life as come to the U.S., get my master's and in building technology, building science um, and lighting design and go back to India, join my sister, who's also a very successful architect and lighting designer. And we would do great things together. Life had different plans. So I came here and started getting more and more into technology even while I was at university at, at USC. Um, moved to the Bay Area. Um, I was dating a gentleman who's now my husband. Who is who is a silicon um, architect? So he's a he's a techie who wanted to be in the Silicon Valley more than anything else. So those were the cards I was dealt, and um, I think it was it was an amazing journey because you know late '90s joined my first startup doing web design and collateral design and digital layouts and so on and so forth. Um, and then you know this is my fourth startup. So then I've done two big companies and, and four startups. And, Join WebScale, actually, um, one of my board members from my previous startup introduced me to Jay, who's our founder and CTO, and said, you know, work with him on product market fit um, while you're taking some time off between gigs. Um, and Jay and I hit it off. We had very similar ideas on how to build a company. He is just a great guy to work with, but just brilliant technologist. And I'm more operational. I like to build good companies and really strong bases. So that's how I got here. The architecture education does help because, you know, people will tell you that I like everything proper, symmetrical in a straight line. And um, that's, you know, it's like building a business. You have very similar philosophies on how you do that. So it, it works out. Well, I've, I've always felt that uh, our architects have a lot of vision and they're, they're able to, um, through their training and, and through their insight and intuition, be able to craft a vision very quickly. And do you think that that's um, something you have and that helps you in, in, in running companies, not just web scale, but um, since this isn't your first time around running a company, even in your previous uh, journeys as well? So this is the first time I'm actually responsible for the entire company as a CEO. Past startups, I was, I was an employee and you know, previously I was CMO and, and ran the marketing and go-to-market strategy. So I will say that it does help. And, and to be fair, the vision for WebScale 
comes from Jay, but more importantly, it comes from our customer base and conversations with customers and the market and conversations with partners. And he is very active with all of our customers and, you know, sort of culls a lot of what he learns from there and brings it back. And then, you know, we, we wrestle with various information. And I think my expertise is, what I'd like to say is I, I look at data and I have instincts on, on, on what is relevant and what is research. And, and we're able to, you know, between the executive team that we have come to sort of a place where we understand what the market needs and, and what we're building. And we try to do it differently. So to give you an idea, we're launching our own CDN over the next month or so. We already have it deployed with a number of our customers. Wow. It's my background. I've actually worked with two CDNs over 10 years. The market leader, Akamai, was where I worked for more than five years. Um, interesting, again, interesting news given yesterday's uh, outage at Akamai. It's so important to have options with CDNs. Yes, so. and, and you know, to Graham's point, it's not a general purpose CDN. Like we don't expect to go to Netflix and say, hey, you're not using Akamai anymore. You should use WebScale. This is not that CDN. This is a CDN built for commerce vision and, and strategy and, and delivery. So we're doing things completely different, right? We're not building yet another CDN. We're actually thinking about the use case that is relevant to commerce and building that CDN. So I digress, but that's sort of yeah. the thinking behind it. Yeah, so when, when, when somebody reads the WebScale website, it's so rich and deep in um, different offerings. Um, can you explain kind of in a summary format what, what you think WebScale's core value proposition is now and, 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 and where you're moving? For sure. So, you know, fundamentally, WebScale is a SaaS platform. And what we do is we, we provide in, in a very modular fashion the tools that are needed to make a site be very, very secure. That's probably our, our first goal for all our customers to have very high performance. So whether it is you know, the site itself or the backend infrastructure that, that moves with performance and availability, you know, making sure that a site is never short on infrastructure, um, no matter how their code is. So if the code is challenging, we'll throw enough infrastructure to make sure the site scales and, and performs. Um, we've had Instagram events come at the side. We've had, you know, gold prices go through the roof. We've had medical marijuana companies, you know, just have blowout quarters sitting on our platform and we have never fallen short for any of our customers. So that's sort of, that's who we are behind the scenes. We, you know, our, our messaging is we are the cloud platform for modern commerce. And that kind of gives you a feel of anything that you require or desire, or even don't know you want yet. Um, we're able to deliver that for you because we built the technology stack to do that. What do you think are some of the biggest problems or set of problems that e-commerce merchants might be facing right now who aren't using web scale that might benefit from your, from your services? What are, what, uh, asked a different way, what are some of the reasons why uh, your customers are, are switching to web scale? for established e-commerce merchants? Yeah. So I would say, you know, most recently we've seen a push towards us being able to realize their, their vision and their technology vision. So whether it is a headless front end or it's PWA or it's, um, you know, global delivery for their product or it's to scale, um, or it is, say we have a merchant who's in the UK is planning to grow 400% this year, just helping them realize those goals and those visions that's what we like to do. And that's the enabler that we are. Now, you know, one of the things we always talk about, so we just onboarded 
seven new people into our sales team this week. Uh, and we're doing that pretty much every other month. We're onboarding between seven and 10 people into our, our company. Um, and the conversation you know, we had with them is, if you meet a merchant and they're doing okay where they're at and they have no pain, there's no reason they should move to WebScan. If there is pain of any sort and they're willing to acknowledge that there is pain, so whether it's security pain or it's just scalability or it's performance or it's the inability to recognize their vision, that's when WebScale comes in and says, uh, you know, we're the answer for you. And you know, goes without saying that after the first couple of months of us solving their pain, it's all about what we do to support their business. It's that 24-7 experience. It's our, it's our team that understands both cloud infrastructure and commerce and, and is willing and able to help them with you know, minutes of response time. That's, that's really who we are. We show up every day. So as an SI, and Graham, please follow up on this um, question. It's, it, it's, that's an interesting contrast to the way we think because in, in a way as an SI, we're always looking down the road for problems for our clients. And so um, while the merchant um, might be cruising along, doing well with their business four or five years in on uh, platform number two, and their investors are happy and they start working with us because they've just moved to Adobe Commerce and it's a complex website and everybody's happy. We're always thinking down the road for where trouble might come up because We've had experience dealing with hacking. We've had experience dealing with site outages. We've had experience dealing with angry clients that have performance issues. So we do look down the road for um, problems. And it's great from our perspective to know that WebScale is innovating around those problems um, that, we, that we might see. And just um, to give some color to this, Graham, uh, we're, seeing, we're seeing prospects and clients that are concerned with um, performance issues that WebScale can solve. They are concerned with security issues that WebScale can solve, even um, even if they're on a SaaS platform like Shopify or Big Commerce. It's uh, it's it's never ending, isn't it? Yeah, I think that there's so many metrics around performance on sites uh, and the impact that it have, has on your conversion rate, and it's front of mind for us and for all of our customers. And a big burden falls on the hosting company of how do they improve performance? So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that. You know, and it's, I'm glad we're having this conversation because I think performance as, as a conversation that relates to customer experience and say, you know, Google's core web vitals and actually forcing each one of us to measure performance has never been more important because let's face it, right? Google controls all of our merchants' destinies, they rely on search in any way, shape, or form. And if they're not happy with the way we're doing things, no one's happy. The consumer's not happy. Google's not happy. We're not happy. Our merchant's not happy. And, and you guys are in trouble for recommending us. So <laughs> absolutely on the same page. Here's what I always you know, share with our sales team. Is performance is not a silver bullet. It's not that you, you, you know, change a setting and all of a sudden the site is going to be fast. There is work required. And we, we always sell our prospects. So firstly, we tell our sales team, never sell on the promise of I'll make your site faster because you may not be able to if you don't get all the pieces in place. If your merchant's not working with you, if your SI is not working with you, if you're not able to figure out the pieces, we can 
we can improve caching, we can improve delivery, we can you know, do all of the interesting things we're doing in CDN, we can do site cache, um, we can help you measure and give you visibility. But at the end of the day, it's, it's three core pieces, and, and this is you know, better said by Jay than by me, because he, he explains it in a much more intellectual way, but we think of it as, as three parts to the problem. The first part of the problem is strategy that you know, companies like us can deploy in terms of software on how to make a site fast. The second benefit is the infrastructure, which is also solvable by, by a company like us. And we see that. We'll see certain merchants, you know, they'll scale up on our platform when they hit 20 requests a second, you know, the servers will start getting spun up. And that is a problematic website. If you can only serve 20 requests and, and you have to add additional infrastructure, but but we solve it. We don't run out of infrastructure um, because we just scale to infinity. Um, but the third bit of it is the, the site itself and how it's built and how it's interacting with all its various components or you know, third-party links or tags or social media and so on that really can damage the site. JavaScript, you know, some inherent issues with the code, like you know, Magento has some, some JavaScript hiccups and, yeah. and they're dealt with in a certain way. So the way we think about it is we've gone one step further where with our, you know, our visibility and our portal, there's the traffic viewer and the log viewer and, and we can identify exactly what's slowing down the site versus telling our developer partners, hey, the site slows a code issue, go deal with it. We're actually saying, here's the 50 things that need to be fixed. And very recently we worked with one of our merchants um, whose site is now in the, in the 90s for core web vitals. And when they started, it was 28. They had web scale, they had our CDN, um, and they went back and did the work. They did the work over the next four weeks and their their site on desktop is up in the 90s and mobile is still in the 60s. They'll get to the 90s. They have some more work to do. So it's just that journey of performance. It's not a, you know, we can't flip a switch and make everybody fine. I wish, I mean, we'd be a multi-billion dollar company if we could do it that easily, but it's a, it's a difficult problem. It's not, it's solvable. Yeah, most, most uh, I'd agree with you. And I think we'll probably break it up into maybe an extra bucket or two. So instead of the three buckets that you mentioned, maybe break your third into a couple of others, where it's the core platform code. It's the third party extensions that give Google GT metrics and all the others just fits. And yeah. then there's the, the, the third bucket, which is there's optimization of elements on the site. So um, image sizes and those sorts of things. And I 100% agree with you that there isn't a silver bullet and there is a lot of work that has to happen at not just the site level and the code level, but even going more granular into the page by page and third party apps loading and optimizing yeah. those. Which and leads me to, sorry, leads me to a question. Yeah. Yeah, no, I was actually going to interrupt you and say there's two components to that problem that we do solve, which I should bring up in this meeting is, we do have an, an image handling solution where we can help you resize. So even though it's code and it's, you know, get the right size image for the right size device, we actually have a software that does that. So we have customers that use our image management solution and, and that problem actually gets solved pretty well, especially for mobile. Um, we also have an additional product called our bot manager. Sometimes site performance is to do with bots and, and we find some of our sites will have 65% of traffic is just crawlers at the wrong time, just slowing down the entire site. And it's a, you know, you need insight into recognizing that. So we actually have a bot management solution that will help solve that problem as well. So you're right. There's like these little things, you know, there's like 
cron jobs that are going on behind the scenes that will slow aside them. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I wanted to make sure even in those components, yeah. we've worked hard to build technology to, to fix. Right, and I'd imagine your CDN is going to address some of the performance elements on sites as well. Yes. So our CDN is, is a way for us to share with our merchants very simply that every bit of interaction for every request, right from the end user, all the way over the internet to the back end of the transaction is something we care about and we can help control for you. So we can insert security and performance services on the fly, like the image management solution or the bot management or headless delivery from the edge. Um, so we're pushing a lot of our controls to the edge, um, you know, making sure that there's, there's an understanding of how content is working right next to the end user um, with that footprint deploying globally and then all the way back to the origin. So really sort of, instead of being the CDN that says, this is a slowdown at the origin, or being a hosting company that says, this is a slowdown at the edge, we're gonna control end-to-end every transaction all the way from the end user to the origin. And that's gonna be the biggest differentiation in, in terms of you know, that experience. Interesting. So I wanted to shift topics just slightly and talk about um, brand, big brand B2C e-commerce merchants running their websites on the more popular SaaS and PaaS platforms, uh, Shopify and Magento Cloud and um, the, some, some of the others that are out there because their salespeople are, are still saying the benefit of SaaS is we take care of the infrastructure. You don't have to worry about it, blah, blah, blah. But now more and more of those merchants are coming to web scale and you guys are seeing opportunity with those merchants and partnering with Shopify and the, and the others and big commerce as well. Um, what's going on here where um, you, you, you need each other and uh, you're supporting the, the SaaS platforms and where it used to be the mindset was they're taking care of the entire infrastructure. Um, what's, what's your value proposition with those merchants that are using those platforms? Yeah, so, so, you know, good question, Rol. Um, we think it's not about the platform and it's not about us. It's about the merchant and it's what that merchant wants to achieve. So I'll, I'll give you an example. We have merchants that are that have made the choice to sit on a SaaS platform like a Magento Cloud or an SAP Commerce Cloud. However, their compliance needs are broader than what you get out of the box with the Magento Cloud. The Magento Cloud, you get a simple WAF that sits on a fancy. You can buy into a, a broader deployment through some partners of there, but out of the box, that's what you get. And they want more visibility into the backend. They want a vendor who is, who is you know, available to give them that visibility and think with them like an e-commerce company. So you know, Fastly is a CDN, but they're not an e-commerce company. They support e-commerce merchants. We are an e-commerce company. So we layer in front of a number of Magento Cloud merchants um, and provide them with the visibility and the additional layer of security that is required for some what's these fortune customers. So that's one area where we see sort of um, lining up. The other area that we see lining up is delivery of headless. So going to one of these SaaS platforms and having the desire to, to have a headless delivery experience is, is hard to do, right? Because a PaaS, you can call Shopify or Magento Cloud a PaaS or a SaaS or whatever. It's very difficult to customize a front end 
in those scenarios that allows a customer to recognize their vision. So, you know, our Cloud Edge series of services, so whether it's Cloud Edge Headless or Cloud Edge CDN or Cloud Edge Security, is built to make these platforms better because the origin and what it looks like is, is defined differently for every merchant. Some merchants will use Shopify just for the privilege of the shopping cart and you know a few other sort of bells and whistles. And the entire front-end experience is not Shopify. It's, it's their own. And it's a headless experience. And other merchants will say it's completely out of the box, you know, Magento Cloud, and that's all we use. So it's just enabling them to do what they need to do, regardless of what the origin looks like, regardless of what choice of platform they have. Um, ideally, we want them to be fully hosted with us because we can control a lot of the dynamics of what they want to do and help them recognize their goals. But if they're not and they've made business decisions to host elsewhere, we still get them that security and performance that, that they need. That's really interesting. So with the, with the growth of Headless, I want to um, talk about Headless a little bit. And for, for both uh, Graham and Sonal, the, um, the, w- w- what, are we, w- what are we seeing as um, a growing trend in terms of which um, CMSs or uh, catalog software, what, what's the front end that's moving in front of these SaaS platforms um, are, are the, is it is it WordPress? Is it uh, enterprise CMS? Is it just a mix of everything? Is it all custom? Um, and where is this trend going um, to support these very rich and deep user experiences that um, that merchants are starting uh, to bring online? Any um, any commentary there on um, what we're seeing and where it's going? You know, there is so many different flavors that are coming at us from every direction. That it's kind of hard to predict who's going to be the winner. And I haven't seen one trend or the other, honestly, Frank. I've seen, you know, Node. I've seen View Storefront. I've seen custom front ends. I've seen some Ruby on Rails front ends. I've seen a couple of other kinds of applications. Um we are partnered with some very large digital experience companies and their front ends like Crown Peak or eSpirit or, um, or a few you know, agencies that we're working with on, on those. So we're starting to see those front ends, but they're customized for merchants. and They're not branded as anything. They're, they're coming out just to be able to realize the vision. Um, there's a lot going on. Um, and I don't think there's enough. You know, so if you look at our customer base, I would say about 10% of, of our merchants are involved in some either planning or execution of a headless strategy. The rest of the 90%, you know, one, they don't, their their business goals and the need for agility and the need for for a headless front end are not as evolved as, you know, making it the, the most important thing for them to do this year. But 10% of them, they've made the decision, they've, They've got the budgets aligned and they're actually doing those deployments. So not seeing, you know, a straight sort of everybody's doing it this way, uh, seeing different people do it differently, using different platforms based on their needs, because there's not there's not a bunch of tribal knowledge out there already that's saying this is the right way to do it. Just go this path and you will be the winner. So we're actually, you know, we're hoping to be agnostic in this as well. Yeah. And, you know, our... Um, our ability to deliver entire microsites from our, our data plane is, is one of the ways where we become very agnostic. So no matter which platform you choose, you can deliver it entirely from cash. Your entire transaction experience in the front end can be entirely from one of our edge locations. 
Mm. And then the only reason you come back to the original is because you're ready to buy it. Yeah. yeah and for us, we, we've got some more experience. About 10% of customers are, are doing um, headless and they're just all over the board. So we've got custom single page apps with Magento backend. We've got um, a big commerce with a custom front end. We've got Magento Commerce with a craft CMS front end. And I was actually thinking about it, Frank. We did one probably three years ago with Drupal with Shopify. Wow. Yes. It was really <laughs> early where they wanted the, the rich experience around art presentation, but a shopping cart that an account management. So we did that at least three years ago. First that was five years ago, 2016. Five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a technical challenge, if, if I recall. We uh, we had a lot of engineers and just sort of scratching their heads on. Yeah, I think I was the project that. manager on that. That was a, that was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, about, about three years ago, we did a site with one of our, our customers who actually has been a customer the second time in, in his second company that he's worked at. It's just a brilliant guy. And he came to us and said he was going to use, I think, View Storefront in front of Shopify. It wasn't even called headless back then, if I remember. So I don't know how many years ago it was, but we didn't know what to call it. And we were like, huh, that's interesting. Okay. And we went ahead and obviously, you know, did what he needed for us to do. We didn't have the ability to deliver the entire site from cash, but we made it happen. And, and this, you know, goes back to Jay's technical leadership that he was able to solve that technical problem. Um, but yeah, you, you know, it's, it's funny that now they have names for everything. Back then it was like, hey, I want to do this. And yeah. I, I do find that headless is definitely not for everybody. There's, a, there's, there's overhead and complexity to it. Maybe that's going to change once customers can manage an e-commerce platform and the, the head. But not all of our, not, not all merchants can frankly handle the complexity of a large platform like Magento. There's a lot that goes into it and they're reliant partners. So when you layer on another technology stack for the whole front end, it adds even more complexity. So it's fine for sophisticated customers, I think. And maybe as the technology has a few winners that start coming out with who are the winners in the head and who are the winners in the back end, in the same way that you've got Magento, Shopify, BigCommerce, Salesforce, Commerce Cloud, and a few others as the, the core e-commerce platforms, we'll probably have a few on the front ends, the experience management side of the house that start to um, evolve as the winners and we'll have less choices of front-end and back-end and the combination. So we'll, we'll see what happens. We're still in early early stages of the game. Interesting. So, Graham, when you see a customer, so suppose you get like a low end of the mid-market coming to you and saying, we think we're missing out on something by not having a headless front-end. Uh, would you build it for them or would you tell them, it's a terrible idea, you shouldn't do it right now? Part of our... I guess value that, that, that we provide to customers is unbiased opinions on how things can or, or, or should be done, just based on, based on our body of knowledge and, and experience. We would definitely counsel them if they don't have the technological depth to consider alternatives. But if they're adamant, and let's say they're, they're a very technical organization, they can handle their complexity, even even if they're small, but they're a technical organization, we'd, we'd go with them. We'd always give them our counsel on the correct approach to take. 
And the same is true with platforms. So when we think of the right platform for merchants, it, it really comes down to the business requirements rather than the flavor of the month. So Shopify gets great buzz and it's a fantastic platform. We've got some awesome customers on it, but it's definitely not applicable for all situations. And Magento is the same. It's an amazing platform. It's got great power, but it's not applicable to everybody. So I, I think the, the architectural approach and the platform approach go hand in hand. We'll, we'll understand requirements and give a suggestion. And sometimes our suggestions are just suggestions and they're overruled and we do it the way the customer wants it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wish, you know, we would all, and, and I think I'm going to ask our marketing team to do this and perhaps you can help us on this ground because you, you know, a lot of our agencies are, are single platform agencies or they sometimes have one second platform that they work with because it requires a, you know, depth of experience and a bench size that warrants. Expertise. Um, yeah. yeah. A lot of expertise in-house, right? Like you can't have, <clears throat> you know, one Magento dev and say, okay, I'm going to do Magento platform delivery. Well, it just doesn't work that way. The scale is, is too massive. But if there's a way to, you know, write a cheat sheet or a guide to picking your platform, I've seen some very, you know, architecture kind of documents come out. I don't think anybody has comprehensively talked about things like if you have a high SKU count, you can't do Shopify. If you have a blah, blah, you can't do big commerce. If yeah. you have multiple stores, you can do either of them. Uh, or if you have more than five stores or seven stores, I don't know what the threshold is now. Yeah. Um, it would be really great for merchants to see that and understand it um, before they even start having these conversations with us or with you. Because yeah. it seems like the understanding of that is more, I'm going to talk to four platform vendors and you know, I'm going to make that platform decision and then I'm going to start getting connected to one of their SIs and start building the site. And then I'm going to go pick a hosting company and, and host my site. Yeah. There's definitely that chicken or the egg because yeah. we see that a lot where com- customers come to us and say, Hey, we've selected Magenta. And then we ask them for the list of all the requirements and they say, well, we haven't done the requirements gathering. <laughs> How do you know Magenta is the right platform if you don't have all the requirements documented? So there, I, I definitely think that there's a, there's a value in, having some sort of litmus test and it's not going to apply every to every situation, but sort of at a high level, what we say is Shopify is fantastic. If you want a Ferrari, Magento is fantastic. If you want a semi truck, your Ferrari is not going to be able to carry the load that a semi truck can, but the semi is probably not going to go as fast as the Ferrari. And that's, that's a very, very loose example of why you choose one or the other. But, um, it sort of sums them up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you can carry no luggage in the Ferrari at all. No baggage. Yeah, and, and that sort of goes to the idea with Shopify. If you've got complex business processes, complex checkout requirements, payments, taxes, multi-store locations, uh, multi-inventory location, the global presence, it's a Ferrari. It doesn't support all those processes, whereas say a Magento does. Yeah. And in the middle. There's oh, yeah. 100 venture capitalists up and down the Silicon Valley who believe that the world is going to all go to Shopify. They should talk to yeah. you to understand that's not happening. Yeah. Now, clearly, um, as, as an SI, we, we run into a lot of established companies that uh, are on their second or third generation of e-commerce website, and they have a lot of complexity. Uh, but um, as, a, as a consumer, as a shopper, 
I'm now interacting through Instagram with, with brands that are very specialized, that are suiting my specific needs from, you know, clothes to grilling or, or a, uh, you know, swimsuits for my specific lifestyle, all kinds of things that, and offerings that are um, really great. Do you, do you feel, Sonal, that um, WebScale is a, a, a technology company that, um, entrepreneurs that are that are just starting out or, or that are two or three years in and um, really just starting to scale maybe doing just a few million in revenue um, can they can they work with web scale are there parts of the offering that um, that they can afford to uh, to work with and see value from no so so let me put it this way um, we are not the lowest cost solution in the market we don't try to be we don't so our smallest customer pays at least $500 a month. But with that, what they get is they get a CDN, they get a security platform, they get um, you know, simple hosting for up to call it 50,000 visitors a month. Um, and then they get the ability to stair step into all the way to our enterprise business. Our largest customers pay hundreds of thousands of dollars a month to work with us right. because right. of flexibility and you know, the platform that we bring to the table um, and everything in between. We've had a few situations where entrepreneurs have started with us. They start with the dev environment, they're at the $500 level, and then they go all the way you know, to tens of thousands of dollars. Um, they tend, most tend to not go that route because, you know, obviously a, a large number of commerce brands are bootstrapped. And, you know, for them, the early decisions are expensive. But then I also see them make some contrarian decisions of spending, you know, fifty thousand dollars on a commerce platform. That's just way too much for for anything that they're trying to do. So it totally depends, Frank. I, you know, I always say we're not the cheapest solution. We we don't try to be because we're not right for everyone. But we try to make place for for all companies. We've got some companies that we work with. They they represent call it 70 different brands on, you know, one instance of, of Magento. And we're able to do those kinds of really interesting things for them. I mean, the total revenue from all these 70 brands is single digit million. So it doesn't warrant them spending any more than that. And we're able to, you know, run and manage that infrastructure and the domains and the scale and the CDN and all that good stuff and, and deployments of those sites. So we do interesting things, but we're not for everyone. Um, but people tend to grow into web scale. Yeah, well, that to me sounds like a like an important value proposition for entrepreneurs just starting out because certainly five hundred dollars should be affordable for the merchant just starting out. But yeah. in, in and especially for this generation of entrepreneurs who grow up using their phones every day, all day long, they understand the importance of the experience from a performance perspective, from a security perspective, from all of those levels of um, infrastructure support that WebScale can provide. Whereas, you know, 15 years ago, we used to think about, um, well, how important does that product look? And can I zoom in on it? And not really thinking about the whole experience and how important it is speed to checkout. So um, I, I think that the value proposition is definitely there for, for startups. For sure, for sure. We, I mean, we want to make it easy to do business with WebScale because we do feel, you know, it's um, it's unfortunate that we see a lot of merchants come to us. Very recently, we signed a merchant just this week, um, and they've been to four different hosts in the last seven years, and we are the fifth stop. <laughs> um, and the amount of 
you know, heartburn and stress and money that that probably got got spent along the way. And I think we're three times more expensive than their last solution. But it's that that cost of doing business and the opportunity cost that that they probably lost out in the last couple of years. And I'm hoping we can make them proud and and successful and peace of mind um, moving forward. But they recognize the need to you know to put their best foot forward and do what they needed to do to get the solution they needed. They were just not being served correctly. And I think the, another way of looking at it is people think of us as hosting. So they're like, well, I'm spending $200 on hosting and now you ask me to spend 1000 or 1500 or whatever that metric is based on their size. Um, but we're not just hosting. We are the security there. They're paying somebody for their VAT. We are the CDN. They're paying somebody else for a CDN. Um, we are the auto scaling engine. We are the entire cloud platform. You know, we we do all of that. We do all the patching. We do all the twenty four seven support. So the total cost of ownership um, is something that we try to educate them on. But it it really takes our agency partners like you to to educate them and say, look, for what you're trying to do, this is the right answer. If you're trying to do simple fashion, beauty, retail, and you know, you're you're selling like five products. You should be on a Shopify. You don't need anything else because it's a Ferrari and it does its job. Can you share with our listeners um, uh, some some things you guys are looking at on your roadmap? Uh, you mentioned the CDN. That seems pretty exciting. Love to hear more about that in the future and see see how that offering develops. Is there is there anything else you'd like to share, even if it's not uh, specific because you don't want to talk about it yet, but sort of what you're looking at in terms of R&D in the future? Yeah, so Frank, we're that company that wants to shout our roadmap out from the top of buildings because we want everybody to know what we're doing to make their lives better. So there's Great. there's five key areas that we focus on, right? One is the CDN side, one is the PWA division, uh, one is CICD and making sure that they're, they're getting the best practices. So if you think of the the biggest tech company in the Valley and what they're using to, to be agile with their deployment process. We want those same tools in place for e-commerce because let's face it, commerce has been a little behind the curve on technology adoption for various reasons, right? Um, cloud hosting is another area that, that we spend a lot of time and then performance optimization. So to Grant's point, you know, making your site fast and really optimizing the various components of, of performance is critical. So those five areas, we're doing a lot of work in, in each one of them. Um, so by the end of the year, you know, PWA and our ability to deliver um, microsites from our caches is probably out already, if not coming out soon. The ability to do real user monitoring on the fly for each one of our customers is, is in our platform and available at no cost to all our customers. They can start to track it. It's a, it's a critical component. It's not something that you, you open up a portal and you track it, you know, at that moment in time, it's important for you to track it ongoing and, and the various things you do on the site and how they impact your user performance is critical. So we've, we've integrated that into our traffic viewer and, and you can see like if you roll out a new third-party asset on your site and all of a sudden you run metrics chain, you know what happens, right? It's an ongoing measure of it. Um, the CDN bit, giving them more control on their backend infrastructure, um, CI/CD integration, application testing, all of these are either already out or being um, released as we speak. Our, you know, our early early adoption of our CDN, we actually have you know, dozens of customers already using it. We're just trying to make sure that when we release it to the broader public, and, and these customers understand that it's advanced beta, it's not, you know, it's not GA yet, but we're seeing tremendous benefits from it, um, even better time. So yeah, the, the roadmap is deep. We just raised 
26 million in venture financing earlier this year and we continue well, to fund. Sorry, Frank? Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we announced it in, in I think, in May. I, life has been a blur this year. Yeah. Um, but no, we're investing heavily in R&D because that is the need. Um, I think the world is changing. We're at that inflection point and yeah. really want to make sure we do the right thing for our merchants. Well, this has been a great conversation. I, I wanted to um, just give you a final opportunity to uh, add anything else that um, you think our, our our listeners would be interested in. It's um, you know some really great content you've shared today, and and I've certainly learned a lot more about WebScale. And and um, I, I know on behalf of Graham and the team, we're we're excited to be partnering with you guys and and. Um, and moving forward into some really interesting e-commerce projects as, as everything continues to evolve in a massive way in e-commerce, anything, uh, anything else you'd like to, to add today before we wrap up? I think it's been a great session, Frank. I, I apologize for interrupting Ram a couple of times. I have this, this desire to get our, our message out because I'm so excited with you know all the, the various components we're building. Um, now, I think we covered pretty much all of our abilities. And, and I think we covered a lot in terms of, you know, just sort of supporting merchants and partners on, on building great tools to help them be successful. If there are areas that any of the listeners, you know, feel like we haven't talked about, to please reach out on Sonal at webscale.com. I love to talk to customers and, and hear from them. Um, we're not building on a vision that's in our head. We're actually building on reality on the ground and, and trying to see what's needed to make everybody successful because it's this is an it's an interesting area like I you know like we talked early um I've never in my career of 20 plus years worked in a in a vertical so focused on building a technology stack and I did not appreciate how complex this technology stack is it looks easy you know Shopify makes it look easy right to your to your point yeah. um but the complexity and the challenges and and just the space itself is is phenomenal, but the opportunity, and, and especially with the pandemic, what's happened in just the last year and a half is has has allowed the space to grow 10x. Um, you know, in terms of 10x the growth rate as we were seeing before that. So it's a huge yeah, opportunity for each one of us. And yeah, it's, it's exciting. I feel like. It's I feel like I've been using the iceberg analogy to describe our business for so long now, but it still remains true. You know, a lot of times people only see what's above the surface um, and it takes a lot to understand everything that needs to happen below the surface for an e-commerce business to run well and for consumers and customers to be happy. And um, we're happy to have you guys as partners to help solve all of those problems, even the ones that are below the surface. Thank you so much, Frank. Really appreciate being a part of this this family and looking forward to doing a lot more interesting things with you guys. Yeah, well, thank you. I think it's um, been a great session and I, I hope um, I hope uh, you and your team uh, continue to thrive and have a great year. It sounds like it's been a great year so far. So I think uh, the rest of the year uh, will be too. And uh, it'll be great to see everybody in person soon here. Hopefully we get through this uh, Last little bit of challenge with uh, COVID, and uh, we're we're back at trade shows and interacting in person again soon. That's uh, that's what we're really looking forward to. Likewise, I'm so excited. I'm going to be at Retail X in two weeks. I cannot. Yes, be we will. Are you going to be there too? Yes, yes. Awesome. <laughs> so it'll be fun. Looking forward. Okay, to well, it. thank you. Uh, it's thank chanting. You so